Welcome to the Weekly Game 7. This is a basketball podcast that goes over NBA news, players, teams, trades, and all of the above. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'll be once again joined by my co-host, Kamal. How are you doing, Kamal? Doing wonderful. I'm doing amazing. Uh, let's get this started, eh? Yeah, so uh, let's move into game one of our seven-game series here. First one is uh, after our main focus this week is probably going to be trade deadline news. So first things first, did the Suns get better with trades? They're already the most dominant team this season. Um, and then they traded Jalen Smith and a second-round pick for Torrey Craig. Uh, and did they They also picked up Aaron uh, Holiday. Aaron for- Holiday, yeah, for... Yeah. That's yeah, they just straight up forgot my yeah. favorite player, Cash Considerations. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, now with Holiday and with uh, Mikkel Bridges, like they've got a three-guard lineup, like three guards that can play point, which is really good for them. Because um, Chris Paul's durability is always up, like his only real weak spot. Uh, he's mm-hmm. dealt with it really well the past two years with Phoenix. But even then he got kind of hampered in the playoffs last year in the first round against the Lakers. And then you got COVID, which you can't blame that on him, but yeah, that's, that's even last year he got, he got injured in the playoffs. So yeah. Um, and obviously age continues to just compound like the likelihood of that. So having more point guards to take away his minutes and for him to play really just focused minutes mm-hmm. is I think a really smart move to just kind of, you know, it seems like they really, the Phoenix Suns did a great job of just, kind of tightening the screws on their on their title team you know i mean i like the move i really like the holiday one that seems like a no-brainer if it's for cash and uh i don't know if like listeners know or, or most people know but like their owner robert sarver is notoriously cheap um so i think that's one of like the most like dumbfounding uh trades around the league just that the sun's paid money um but uh, I think with the Jalen Smith trade, I, I actually kind of would give the winner to um, the Pacers. Um, not, not that I don't think Torrey Craig's good or that he won't be good in this. I think they kind of need a player somewhat like that. Um, just a really good defender and, you know, can shoot adequately. I think he's about 33%. But Jalen Smith, you know, they just picked 10th overall two years ago. They didn't exercise his option, which is like unheard of for a 10th overall pick um, who doesn't isn't like he didn't like, you know, tear his ACL or anything like that. They just don't Um, play him. Yeah, but he's been playing this year a little bit and he's been pretty good. I mean, the numbers aren't crazy, not super efficient, but um, like they have JaVale McGee as a backup who I think is adequate, who they didn't really have last year. But just to give up on a first round pick like that is just crazy and cheap and i think that's why they did it and i mean another like what if is they could have picked halliburton um which we'll get into a bit later but uh i think overall they they got better to an extent um because they have a backup for jalen smith like they have uh javale mcgee Mm. and um i think aaron holiday really good player really useful player another really good defender who can you know create a little bit He's not, you know, he's maybe been a bit underwhelming, but mm. he's a you, you can play him in a playoff series and he's not a big like, you know, he can play great defense like his brother and uh, or both, I guess, but more so uh, Drew Holiday. And um, I just think for me, it's stupid to 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 not exercise Jalen Smith, who's actually looked all right this year. But 
Um, they already did that before they made this trade. So um, good on the Pacers to get a young big who can be a backup for Miles Turner. And I think uh, we'll get a lot of playing time, which he wasn't getting in, in Phoenix. It just seems odd to me too, that Jay, like they never gave Jalen Smith a fair shake, given that they sooner signed, you know, Bismack Biombo to a contract. Like, I completely agree. Like, did they really not see a future for Jalen Smith behind DeAndre Ayton once? Like, JaVale McGee is not a young center anymore. Like, he doesn't have too many more serviceable years. Yeah. So, it seems odd to me that they would him on team control. Like, you don't even have to – you basically give him, like – it's an escalating contract. I don't know if, <laughs> like, listeners know. But once you get drafted, depending on what position in the draft – in the first round, do you get basically like an, an escalating slightly? So like, let's say you're the 10th overall pick, you get 3 million your first year, three and a half your second, four, five, you kind of get my point until the fourth year. So, I mean, his salary would have gone up marginally for luxury tax, but overall, like last year he was a dud and this year he's shown some promise. It's kind of crazy to give up that in a second for Tory Craig, who's good, but you could have signed him in free agency uh last year after he was on your team so it's kind of a weird yeah uh, weird move by phoenix overall especially again like like ayton ayton and smith and javel and mcgee obviously they had way too deep of a center rotation you know prior to this move so bismack it makes sense bismack should be starting over uh Aiden, man yeah clearly that's that's yeah. that's the true solution here yeah. is that we should just see bismack biombo get significant 20 24 to 28 minutes a game i think it's the, is the perfect number for yeah from a fucking bismag bro how does chris paul do this chris paul chris paul could make like a fucking five foot man on stilts get an nba contract as a center i'd average four points and one rebound a game with chris paul and on any other team other than kyle lowry on it i'd only average zero zero and zero yeah the tony snow yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I agree. Like it's amazing. Like so, it's it's interesting to me that they did not see what they wanted out of Jalen Smith, given the necessity for transitioning to a younger backup. Like again, like Javel and Bismack are not long term backups. So keeping Jalen Smith and developing him so that you have this one two punch of Aiton and Smith long term seemed like the obvious answer to me, but obviously we don't know what they're thinking when it comes to like, I what, mean, they, I, what they saw. I, th- I think it's because of the luxury tax. I think the, they just didn't want another guaranteed contract that they'd have to pay. Um, and, and with Tory Craig, and I don't know about, let me Google holiday quickly, but I know Tory Craig's an expiring. Um, I think Aaron holiday might be as well. So I guess that might be the thinking is you get guys for win now. And then you, um, you figure so, you, you kick the can down the road basically exactly like, yeah so he's a he's an expiring as well he's an rfa i believe uh, a restricted free agent um but uh, at the same time like that's money that they can just take off their books um going forward yeah so i get it it's it's a bit of a short-sighted move but i mean they're also but i, I do think if you think about it like if, if you're the runners up you can afford to to but, do this type of thing yeah and also like you basically switch one guy that can play for you sometimes and probably not as much just because aiden like it'll like there's only maybe what aiden in the playoffs will probably play 35 minutes then you have 13 minutes to javel or him right uh to Jalen yeah. smith and then now you're getting tory craig and Aaron holiday that can 
like you're basically taking one guy who's could be in your rotation in the playoffs to making it two guys. So you get more yeah. flexibility and you get two defenders. Right. And I think in the playoffs, if you, all your guys, like my, you know, I think we can probably end a little bit on this point, but mm-hmm. to me, like that 2019 Raptors team can be this team in a sense that you just want everyone to be a good defender. Right. Like there's no one yeah. they can just pick on, on defense. Yeah. And no. With Tory Craig and Aaron Holiday, you're getting plus defenders that you can bring in um, and that can shoot the three well enough that you can keep them on the court, right? Um, and I, I think for it makes sense, although in the end, probably value-wise, they, they lost these deals, or at least the Jalen Smith deal. They didn't lose value, and I don't know how uh, Aaron Holiday is worth less than cash, but yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's some good swinging by them to, like, not have to give up anybody and rather just pick up Aaron holiday for money. Like that's definitely mm-hmm. a good move by them, but yeah, I agree. Like it'll definitely, it, it is, you're right. Like having plus defenders as everybody on the, on the, like uh, on the court definitely does give you a much higher chance of winning overall. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's move to game two, uh, similar topic, but let's just flip it to the, uh, to the most arguably the most dominant team on the other side, which is did the bucks get better with trades? So the bucks gave up Dante DiVincenzo for Serge Ibaka. And then they also got two second rounds as well, but the bucks aren't really looking to, you know, their draft prospects are not really where they're going to develop. So, um, you know, they only really, it's basically just DiVincenzo for Ibaka, Mm -hmm. which I'm curious what the thought process, like, Ibaka isn't going to be on the sa- on the on the court at the same time as Giannis, is he? I mean, the the rumors are, or not the rumors, but it sounds as though, uh, just as I check how much Ibaka, I, I thought it was forty percent from three, but this year, even in yeah, he's thirty eight percent from three, almost thirty nine percent from three this year. Um, it doesn't sound as though uh, Lopez will be back, or it's not like for sure, right? Mm. Um, and I think their thinking was that we need another big um, and with Ibaka, like, you know, he's probably, you know, he's definitely not as good as he was when uh, he won the championship in Toronto, but at the same time, he he's been in the playoffs a billion times, right? He knows what to do. He can shoot the three so he can still spread the floor for Giannis. Mm. Um, I kind of like the move ish. I think, you know, you said two second round picks isn't really anything. I think it is in this case. Um, one, because you can, if you're the way the NBA works, is that if you get a second round pick, you don't have to guarantee a contract and the bucks are close to the luxury tax. So they can basically get guys for a bit cheaper, but also they can use that to then get another guy, you know, in the off season or next year at the trade deadline. So I think it, they're worth something, right? Um, oh, yeah, no, totally. I just think like for the, the it's not like if no, 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 I know you mean, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, th- I still think like if it was a Ibaka for Divincenzo straight up, I, I, I hate this deal for the Bucks. Oh, definitely, um, yeah. Like, but getting two second round picks, they can turn it into something, um, in the future, hopefully for them. Um, but I mean, I think Divincenzo to to Sacramento. What do you think about that in that on that team, like schematically? Um. I think DiVincenzo fits well enough in Sacramento. Like Sacramento is such a blank slate of a team. Like they have no, they have no real identity as a team. Like they, I guess they play fast. That's really the only (laughs) real identity that they have. So 
I mean, obviously they needed to fill their guard spot with someone who can shoot with a bit of volume. So they pick up DiVincenzo since they gave up Buddy Heald. Uh, DiVincenzo is also a pretty plus defender. So I feel like this is them leaning a bit into the defensive side. Like I think if if there's between getting rid of Halliburton and Heald, mm-hmm. let's say like 35 shots just opened up for people for everyone to pick up you know Um, yeah yeah and i think sabonis will take a lot of that and we'll get into that a bit later but i think i think for sacramento like why not like this guy's an rfa so basically again they can sign him in the summer he's not going to be worth a lot he just came off a like a huge injury Mm -hmm. hasn't been that great this year so you're still going to be able to re-sign him um to like a decent amount and it won't like kill you and yeah. he's looked like two years ago or last year before he got hurt, he looked like a really good rotation player that can be, you know, I think would have been in their, you know, their end of game five man units um, in the playoffs, but he, he unfortunately got hurt in the first round. So yeah, for me, I, I really like this trade for both teams, actually um, kind yeah, of definitely. Tons because, you know, for Sacramento, they just traded, what was it two three guards away at least two in the the deal we'll talk about later mm-hmm. they get another guy who isn't a proven shooter yet but can shoot well enough is a good defender but just a nice young prospect for what two second round picks like that might as I think, well i think yeah. they only gave up one actually in the deal so yeah. for me it's a win-win and um I, I don't really understand it for the clippers but maybe you lose a bit of money off the tax and um, because this was like a four or five, four team trade, I think. So um, I I think overall it makes sense for both teams. Um, The Clippers, the Clippers picked up Rodney hood and semi Ojale, which is, I think they're expiring and might be less money overall. Yeah. Well, Serge, Serge, everybody knew that Serge was going to get moved from the Clippers because he was, his salary was too high and he wasn't playing up to his salary. And even he recognized that, like he had to play back in after his injury from the G league up. So like having that much money locked into a guy who is earning his spot back. uh, And, you know, Serge had a very, like, like he was very self-aware about all of it. So like, he was fine like as a as a player but like it was definitely a thing that like everybody was just kind of waiting for the right deal to show up where mm-hmm. they so this was clearly a salary dump thing to get rid of surge ex- specifically um which fair enough uh so i think that's why they picked up like rodney hood and Samuel ojale because i'm pretty sure rodney hood is on like a nothing deal i i can check but yeah, yeah he's he's one uh yeah, I think it's a 1.3 mil deal. So like, so there you go. They basically, you know, they have a, a cap dump and, and they've just spent all this money on getting uh, Covington and, and Norman Powell, right? So they just, you know, they don't have to pay as much in the luxury tax and get, you know, off a couple yeah. of contracts. So it, it makes sense. And um, I've really liked the, you know, I don't love it because I think there's value. I don't think the Clippers are going to win the championship this year unless somehow miraculously um cp uh cp3 pg and uh Kawhi come back for the playoffs if they did i think they're like a contender i don't know how like what they are mm-hmm. but you know i love the move of norm powell that's just a steal um, yeah norm 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 has been great i mean his contract's kind of bad but at the same time um you know they just have you know their owner has billions of dollars so they can afford the luxury tax even and he when- get and like he seems to not mind 
Yeah, I know. Exactly. I, I love them. And they gave up a second round pick and I think their first round pick last year that was like 28th or something. So, um, yeah, no, overall, really like the moves for all the teams. I think it kind of makes sense for all of them. Um, I would have wanted to keep Ibaka, but I don't think it's like they're not, you know, he hasn't been that good this year. Um, yeah, it, it's he's fine. definitely been good enough. Like, I think he's going to help the Bucks, And yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I can see him having one, like, really solid game in the playoffs you know yeah. like a a 10 and, and a 10 and 10 game or something that like really means a lot in the context and, of and, what happens i mean for me what i'm worried about you know he's still declining in age but can he still make threes can he still make open shots and yeah. is he you know he's like a good defender um and he clearly seems to be so he'll only get more open shots on this team and i'm sure he'll he'll make it down he low-key won us that game seven Back in uh, 2019, as much as Kawhi did, um, mm. went off. So he he's a proven playoff player. Do you, uh, do you want to go to the next? Yeah, we, yeah let's uh, we can move to game three. So uh, game three, we have did this. So the Celtics moves. Just talking about the Celtics, kind of uh, at large, just because the Celtics have been such an eclectic team this year. Oh my god, yeah. Um. So the Celtics move. They picked up Derek White. Uh, until about 2025. I mean, if they exercise, I think uh, 2024 with a player option in 2025. I'll check. I don't think it's a player option. Okay. Uh, and then they picked up two. Uh, they picked up a top four protected 2020. No, they traded it away. Oh, they traded that away. Yeah, the two. I got that. No, no, my bad. I think yeah. they so they traded away a top a first round pick this year. That's mm-hmm. top four protected. So if they were to like, they're right now in the plan. They're I think seventh behind Toronto, uh, tied with Toronto. Um, but let's say they didn't make it and they somehow won the lottery, um, or if they even if they didn't win the lottery, sorry, um, mm-hmm. and they came like fourteenth or thirteenth or whatever. That's um, that goes to to San Antonio, and then they get <laughs> a pick swap, which a lot of people, at least my my sacred. Uh, um, Bill Simmons hated um, that they also gave up a pick swap in 2028. That is top one protected, which means just so the listeners know that basically if the Celtics don't get the first overall pick, um, San Antonio is allowed to take their pick from them in exchange for their own. Um, so imagine if the Celtics get the number two pick, San Antonio can be like, well, and we're, you know, let's say they win the championship and they're 30th. They can be like, ah, oh, we would rather have your second overall pick and you'll get our 30th. So that is a bit of a mysterious one to me um, just because it's so far in the future and it's more lightly protected than this year. Right. Um, Ultimately we are literally discussing what, what could end up, what is currently an eighth grader. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's a great, great, great point. Um, But what do you think about it? They, they, the Celtics uh, you know, they lost Richardson Langford and then in a subsequent deal, they traded Schroeder and his freedom. Um, uh, formerly Cantor and, and Bruno Fernando um, for Daniel Tice. So how do you like their kind of guard rotation and, and getting another big, um, I mean, they just how, they, how they it... didn't the Celtics had Daniel Tice on their team like three years ago. Well, I think it was last year. Wasn't it? Was it last year? I need to check. I want to check yeah. now. Cause I swear like they, they just re got Daniel Tice, which was a deal. I remember when they got rid of him initially, everybody was like, um okay like yeah, yeah let's see he nah he played for them in 2021 so last season was chicago oh yeah yeah anyway yeah he barely played anyways um, 
Yeah. So like, I think, I think the Celtics need to reconfigure, like, it's hard for me to judge this trade because I, I fundamentally, first of all, getting rid of Dennis Schroeder was a really, really odd choice because I felt like they got him kind of on a steal. He hasn't played amazingly this year. He's not bad. But they need, they need like a, like they need someone who's like an actual like point guard. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've they've got Marcus Smart kind of Mm -hmm. like running point. Let's see. He was, yeah, uh, 14. I mean, Dennis Schroeder was averaging 14 points on like pretty decent sub, yeah, yeah, no, sub, no, sub he, 50% efficiency, which is not great. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like the Celtics, the Celtics have like this fun, like they're really betting on the two J's, like really becoming really all around players when they've shown no inklings to that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then you also had the game, I think it was earlier this week where the Celtics opened the game up on a 28 to three run against Brooklyn. Well, whatever the hell Brooklyn currently is. So, you know, like, I mean, you can't be a totally not, (laughs) I mean, they've, they've been, I think they've been nine and one in their last 10, unless they won. I I made this a while ago or two nights ago. So did they play last night? Anyways, long story short. um, Yeah. They're nine and one in the last 10, but they've been beating up on a lot of bad teams like Orlando um, and teams like that. Their last game was against Denver, which was a good win. Yeah, um, yeah, and, but and yeah, the, like it's the last the the five preceding that. The only good team in there was the Heat, like the hobbled Nets, whatever the hell the Magic are. Yeah, goddamn Pistons, yeah. and then the Hornets. So, yeah, so exactly. So it's like I mean they've been beating up on like bad to mediocre teams, right? But it's games that they should be winning, which is generally no, a, it's a good of a competitive. It's a yeah, good yeah. measure of a competitive team. Like if you're winning the games that you're supposed to, then fair enough. But yeah, I'm, wait, wait. I'm iffy about them. I, what, like, I, I'm sure you think the same way because I, I know your basketball acumen. And, like, I think that they need a point guard. Like, they need someone to set up the 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 double J's or whatever. How did you say it? The, is yeah, it the two. I mean, just the two J's, like Jalen right? and Jason, and, yeah. And the interesting thing, I didn't know this, but Derek White's averaging, like, five and a half assists this year and did it last year. Um, I always thought of, you know, I don't watch a lot of Spurs games, especially since they've been kind of mediocre the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that if he can be it's weird because him and Marcus Smart are almost the same player um, in the sense of that, like two guard that isn't really a point guard can't shoot threes w- that well, but can make it enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like the move, but I also think. Uh, it really depends on how much of a good playmaker Derek White is, right? He's a great defender like Marcus Smart, um, but at the same time, can he on a good team be kind of a six, seven assist guy and, and set those guys up? Because I think for me, that team needs a Kyle Lowry. That team needs a, a CP just to get those Triple J's in good um, spots to, 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 to score really because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they, they, average around like four or five assists a game which is all right but they're not facilitators right um and it's a byproduct of their scoring right and i think just having someone to get them in those sets um in the pick and roll but just just kind of having good offensive flow and 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 playmaking that they aren't as good at um will make this team really good because i think if they have a real good point guard they could be at the top of the east like um you know so um, I think it's kind of an interesting gamble. I don't think it will like flop on their face unless that 2028 pick is number two or three, but 
Um, overall, I, I kind of like the trade, but at the same time, they lost two rotation guys for one rotation guy. Um, yeah. With losing Richardson and Schroeder. And as you mentioned, the Schroeder deal, like they, the whole rumor is they were a bit close to the tax and they needed to get off contracts. By the time they had made the Derek White trade, they were like well under the tax. So they didn't need to trade Schroeder. So um, I kind of would have just kept on to him and not got Daniel Tice. But uh, yeah, I don't know about you. Yeah, especially because like Robert Williams has really been kicking absolute ass. Yeah. Um, this season. So, like, I guess picking up Tice is like someone to to take some minutes away from Robert yeah, Williams and let him rest. Um, but I just think like like Derek White year over year has increased his playmaking abilities. Like, I'm I'm looking. I pulled up his stats right now, and literally season over season, he's bumped up his assist averages, and especially from uh 2020 to 2021 22. Mm-hmm. He's re- like he jumped from a three and a half, three, three point nine assist person to a five point five assist person, which yeah. is a good jump. But again, like that's not that's not pure point guard numbers. Like that's no, no, no. but that's... also like but I, I heard someone and I, I want to know what you think about this. But someone was like that, you know, when he was doing that, like last year he had DeMar DeRozan and De- DeJounte Murray, right? Who yeah. are more ball dominant guys. And this year, obviously, De- De- I can't say his name, DeJounte Murray. Has DeJounte, taken a huge yeah. step up, and I think he's averaging almost 10 assists or 9 assists a game. So that's him as a secondary playmaker. A, yeah. Right? So I think, you know, that's what I'm curious. Like, I don't know if he can average 7 assists a game, um, but there's also an inclination that if he's the primary guard, him or maybe Marcus Smart, but, you know, um, that maybe that can move, move up a little bit. And, and in his first game, he only had 2 assists, but, like, that's one game, and, and I think he played really well. So mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward and, and if he can kind of be a consistent shooter, because that's another thing. He's always been in that 33 to 35 percent, um, which is good, but not what you want really from your, your two guard. And that's kind of the same with Marcus Smart. The problem, like I can envision it. I can envision Derek White making a bit of a jump now that he might be like they might have Smart move into more of a Draymond role and have Derek White be more of like a traditional point guard. Um, so I can see between the two of them, like their point guard rotation averaging 12 or 13 assists, which is ultimately what you want. Mm-hmm. So if that's the threshold, I can totally envision that. But there's, to me, there's still a fundamental flaw in their game planning. And that it's the two J's, their, their like pure scoring mentality. Like the Celtics actually play after we're going to be done recording uh, mm-hmm. today. For, for for the listeners who's a little behind the scenes, we're actually recording Saturday at like noon or one. You mean Sunday, but yeah. yeah. So sorry, Sunday. Yeah. So like the Boston Boston plays Atlanta at two today. So like in 10 minutes the game starts, or in 25 minutes since it's basketball. Yeah. Um I would encourage you to watch the game and dude. Watch, watch what happens when either of the two Jays have the ball. The entire offense like dies. Because every, and the defense can then reposition and offer more aggressive help defense because everybody knows that they're not looking to pass. No, I, so, I, sorry, like all other, all nine other people know that they're not going to pass. So I'm hoping that the Derek White trade kind of adds a new wrinkle to the offense, wherein the two J's feel a slightly higher inclination to pass, even if they're going to get the ball right back. 
but just making that pass completely changes how the defense has to act because they can't uh like over uh over defend knowing that you're gonna shoot the damn ball like a hundred times out of a hundred and, and and i mean yeah exactly and that's the crazy thing about this team they're like second in defense and like 17th in offense uh in offense right and you think mm-hmm. with like two guys that can average you I mean, they're not both averaging 25, but essentially 25 per game ish scorers in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They yeah. need at least like a 10 to like a top half uh, offense. And I think it's gone up a little bit in this winning streak yeah. um, and this little stretch where they've won a lot of games. But still that 17th in the league, like that's not good enough to to like as and it's not as good as it should be with those two guys on a, on the court. Right. So yeah. I think exactly what you said. And and if you watch the games, they're both, you know, not very good playmakers. Right. And they're they tunnel vision cool. a lot. Like yeah. they, they and they average like combined the two J's average seven assists, like yeah. about seven and a half assists. Yeah. Which is fine. But I can bet you, okay, if I go back and pull up some game film, I bet you that all of those assists are like gimme assists. Yeah. So it's like the most obvious cut in the world. Both the Jays are top-notch players. They obviously know to make those plays. Um, or or uh, like what I call like charity assists. So it's like you're technically getting the assist from the stats, mm-hmm. but like the person you passed the ball to did 85% of the work to get the mm-hmm. bucket. You didn't actually set them up for an easy basket. Yeah. So and, and uh, I just want I need to... Them to fix that. Go ahead. No, no, I just wanted to add on that is like the interesting thing that if you look at their assist rate, it's gone up and up. But since last year, they've both gone down slightly. I think that's mostly because the offenses just aren't as good as they were last year um, overall. Right. But at the same time, like that's the next step of them being like all NBA guys. And I mean, Jason Tatum, I believe, has been all NBA. Uh, He has once in 2020. But um that's the kind of problem with them is that they're, you know, elite, elite scores, but they're not great playmakers. And now who knows? They're still youngish, but they're entering their prime. They're about 23, 24, 25. But at the same time, um, I think you can't really expect them to make a huge leap uh, with, with their playmaking. Um, I think they can get a little bit better, but sometimes you just, they're just not built that way. And I think that's why, Derek Wright White will be so interesting because can he be that guy that they've needed for so long? Right. They've never really had a true point guard that, you know, Kyrie wasn't um, as good as he, he can be. Um, and then obviously Schroeder isn't, he's a similar kind of a scoring guard. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think I like the trade. I think they gave up maybe a little bit too much, but um, overall, uh, I think it's a good fit for them and, and gives them some flexibility. Definitely. I think I, I'm hoping that this results in an overall better sense of movement within the offense now that they might have multiple people who are really looking to pass. And then maybe the two J's can just like really focus on scoring and like Derek White's just going to average like nine assists a game. I'd like this, whatever makes it work, but man, it's, just depresses me because come playoff time, it just becomes like yep. just depressing to watch. So yeah, it's just no movement. Right. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's the big problem with this offense. I, I think we've kind of hit the, 
hit the nail uh, on on the head for for long enough. Is there anything else you'd want to add? There was a great joke that I saw because like Celtics fans have like a very famously racist history. Uh, yeah. And there was this great joke that I saw that it was like Celtics fans seeing that they traded for a player named White and then they see the player. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's excellent. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's we we won't go down that 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 rabbit hole, but I mean, to be fair, like they were the first team to have a black coach and and, and Bill Russell and and stuff. I mean, he doesn't have a great relationship with the fans, um, but uh, yeah. Never forget that Bill Russell's jersey retirement was done in private because he didn't find the fans didn't think the fans deserved it. Yeah, because yeah. of how much racism he faced. Exactly. So, all right, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to what is, in my opinion, one of the stupidest trades (laughs) of the deadline. The the Kristaps Porzingis for uh, they sent Kristaps Porzingis and a second round pick to the Wizards for Bertans and and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Fuck in hell. (laughs) I watch Wizards games because I lived in DC for a while, so I'm like an adopted yeah. Wizards fan in a sense. And my sister still lives there. So I watch just because I'm like, hey, maybe I'll see her in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking hate Davis Bertans. Mm-hmm. I thought he was all right when he played for the Spurs. Uh, but holy fuck, this dude has conned the NBA. <laughs> okay. This, I, I, yeah. This goddamn season, he... First of all, his volume is down tremendously, which is like, why, why the fuck? Um, his best season ever when it came to shooting was his first season with the Wizards, where he shot 42% from three on eight, eight almost nine attempts, which is fine. Um, that's like about what you'd expect from like a three and no D player. Davis Breton is also like the weakest like 6'10 guy I've ever seen in my life. Is he 6'10"? Anyways, yeah, continue. There there you go. He does not look like a guy who's 6'10 because he gets shoved out of the way of every I mean, he's a player. horrible defender. Yeah. He's a turnstile, dude. He's a yeah. TTC turnstile. You just hop it and go. Yeah. Um, And, like, this season is his worst season since his rookie year, statistically speaking. And from the eye test, I wish I was blind <laughs> after watching him play. Um, He's atrocious. Like... All he could like, it's it's almost saddening to watch. It's like a do. It's like the the sorcerer's apprentice brooms, you know, where it's like he has one task and he will just do it endlessly with no thought to it. But his game has no wrinkles, so teams know that he's shooting poorly, so they can like just bait him into it. Um, so you know. I just don't. Like, just, do you want? Do you want me to be slightly optimistic? Yeah, um, you you take for, it from for, here. Like you take it from I, here. I completely agree. For me, um, I mean, I can go into it. I'll I'll try to be. I'll imagine if I'm the Mavs. I'm trying to think of it from the Mavs perspective. Perspective. KP is a big contract, and you still have him on the books. I believe for another two years um, after this year. So, like. And he's making boo, 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 boo. I'll get come to it shortly. He is making $33 million and then a 36 million player option that if he doesn't uh, opt into, he is crazy. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a lot of money for a guy that's averaging 19 and 10, but you know, 
on not efficient shooting and has been better defensively um, mm-hmm. this year, but isn't really the perfect fit for Luca. But then again, Davis Pertans to trade that contract should be a first round pick. You should trade Davis Pertans and his contract for a first and a first round pick for like cap filler or whatever, like a, a bad contract. Right. Um, and so for me, the way I think of it as a, a Mavs fan, and let's not, we're not even getting into how bad Spencer Dinwiddie's been this year, but um, I think if you're the Mavs, you're saying, Hey, we have this big contract. It's not really working. Let's turn it into two that we on we can trade away um, because I believe Spencer Dinwiddie has one guaranteed year left, um, and then the, and then the, partially guaranteed for the the third year. Uh, so, yeah, the yeah twenty twenty two is guaranteed. Twenty twenty three is not. Yeah. So um, so basically, their thinking is, hey, we turn one big contract into two smaller ones that we can then trade. Um, out i think their idea is that we can get someone in free agency um they don't really have much ca- uh, draft capital their their pick goes to the Knicks this year but after that they could trade a bunch of people for the next disgruntled star or let's say bradley beal or damian lillard you know they have a couple more contracts that can trade away and create the space that's the and you know and kp hasn't worked that well with you know he's not really a role guy um, which Luca really likes. He isn't shooting well from three, he's shooting less than 28%. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's the way they were thinking about it. The, the one thing I don't get, and this is what I do, maybe I'm just biased because I'm a Raptors fan, but there was um, talks the, the night before uh, the trade deadline that they were looking at a KP for, for Goran Dragic and, and probably maybe probably Chris Boucher or Ken Birch as like a, a salary filler. That makes more sense to, and a first. For, for me, that makes more sense because you get off the contract, you get cap flexibility for this summer, um, and uh, you know you get a first round pick that you can then use in another deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that trade makes more sense. Now, I guess glass half full is that Dinwiddie's I think averages like about five six um, assists a game. Um, hasn't been good this year, but you know with Luca, we you know him he'll become a way better player. And then Bertans will have all these open shots. You know, you don't really forget how to shoot. Eventually he'll be able to, you know, shoot as like a, you know, a 40% guy that he was before um, the past couple of years. And then, you know, again, as I mentioned, you can trade, I, but still, I, I hate this trade for the Mavs. I don't get it. I think you could have got more for, for KP. Um, and then you also tr- trade a second round pick, which is just like um, insult uh, to the wound um, already. So, yeah, dude, it makes like, like, first of all, I think the Spurs fucked the league on Davis Bertons by giving him this five year, $80 million. No, 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 it was the Wizards. It was the Wizards. That's the Wizards are the ones who gave him this deal. Yes. Oh yes. my God. Yeah. He signed it in 2020. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, the Wizards. I was going to say, there's no way the Spurs did something this yeah, stupid. No, no, I'm no, looking no, now. No. Yeah. Signed a five year, $20 million. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. This is like a goddamn albatross of a contract. Yep. Yep. I don't know how the hell. This contract it's, is this is a huge win for the Wiz. You want to talk about that a little bit? The Wizards are the masters of salary dump. They they traded away in in two seasons and bad contracts. To, yeah, they traded away Russell Westbrook's goddamn contract and Davis Bertons. How? I, it just makes, think, yeah. 
No, no, no. It's mind-boggling. I, I, it's mind-boggling okay. that they gave them this contract and then managed to con the league into taking it on. Like, it's like they lit a Molotov cocktail and then just threw it into someone's room, and they're like, "All right, you guys deal with this." Yeah, no, I mean they're great at they're great at picking up bad contracts and signing them or getting them, and then good at trading them away. Look at John Wall; they traded away. They traded away John Wall and Russell Westbrook and Davis Bertens. So um, I mean, yeah, I can't Russell- really say it with like you know pride because other than maybe the john wall which i don't really fully blame them for that contract because he wasn't yeah, i mean yeah you can't predict like the series yeah, yeah. of injuries that hit yeah, him yeah. he was one of the best point guards in the league yeah. when he was still healthy so yeah so but overall like i think this is a huge win again you get off the berton's contract i think dinwiddie um i think dinwiddie's gonna be fine in, yeah, in yeah. Dallas. Not, i think he's gonna step bad, up and... it's still a bad contract but you know easier to get out of um, mm-hmm. But you get out of Bertans, you get KP, who's actually I think has been a good player. Maybe yeah, I think I think the Mavs, I think the Mavs overreacted. My Mustafa said it, and I like I hate to agree with him on this, but it's like I I feel like KP like had like a bitch fit or something, and then Mark Cuban was like, I don't want to do like this was not a this doesn't strike me as like a basketball deal. This strikes well, me as like a personal deal. And and to be fair, Luke has gone off the past couple games, although they lost to the Clippers last night, but. Um, I, th- I, I mean, it's well known that KP did not get along with Luca. Um, and also like he wasn't going to be that second banana that they needed. So, um, I just, for me, it's, it's less about th- that they traded KP. Cause I understand that it's for who they traded it for. Yeah, like and, what they got in return. And also, for and, and also for, for, it's like, you already have a Dinwiddie in Jalen Brunson that you're, I presumably you're trying to keep. So why didn't you just trade Jalen Brunson if you're going to get Spencer Dinwiddie? I wouldn't have done that, but now you have three guys that don't play defense or Jalen Brunson's all right, but basically three guards, you know, like we saw that kind of lineup um, in OKC a couple of years ago with Schroeder, Shea and CP3, but two of the three guys were really good defenders. Um, and in this case, none of them are and uh, or at least elite defenders. So I, I just don't really understand the basketball fit. Um, I kind of get Bertons um, as a flyer, just like he's going to get all these open shots. But at the same time, you should get a draft asset back for taking off that contract, you know. So I just I think the value they they got in this deal is just way too underwhelming. Um, and uh, just I think it would have been smarter just to, you know, and they've been playing well with KP and he's been the backbone of that defense. So I again, yeah, really, and I think really I think it was. So, so reactionary too. Like it takes time for guys, especially a guy of his size to come back from a lower half injury. No. So I just feel like, I don't know. They should have like, I'm, I always want to exercise patience with this type of thing. But maybe, you know, he's, you know, as much as it's felt like KP has been healthy, he he's also been hurt a lot this year. Like, and I think he's been hurt a lot the last little while. So maybe they knew his body's breaking down again. I don't, I don't know. But to me hearing that Raptors trade, this is what I would have done is say, Hey, look, uh, Raptors will take, we'll take a first round pick from you guys, Goran Dragic and Kember Trebuchet, right? Mm-hmm. Two guys that will play in your rotation. Right. And then, and get a first round pick that you can use in another deal or whatever. And then you go after Bradley Beal. You use that cap space to try to lure Bradley Beal um, yeah. as your second banana or Damian Lillard or whoever. Right. Um, and that's what I would have done um, rather than take on more bad contracts 
Um, so anyways, it is what it is. Um, Mark Cuban just wanted to have the first ever Latvian for Latvian trade. I know. I know. It must be the first one. Um, it is. No, it is the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, I, I think actually there was a, no, no, never mind. All right. Let's, let's move on to. I was just going to say, uh, they also signed Dorian Finney Smith right after this to a big contract who was a UFA the Mavs did. So, um, that's kind of interesting going forward. They, they locked up a guy that I think would have, um, Definitely got signed to a nice deal afterwards. And he still did, but he probably would have been out marketed um, or he would have got a bigger contract offer somewhere else. Yeah. If they would have, yeah, if they would have let him test free agency and then they have to match or give a competing offer, I think they would have overpaid for him. So I think just locking him in now is definitely the, the smarter thing to have done. Yeah. Um, Rather than get stuck in like son's current Deandre Aiden situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so let's uh, we can uh, we can move on to number five, and you can I'll 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 it's the so Raptors Toronto have been playing well. Raptors. Yeah, this is um, your wheelhouse. Baby, this is my so. wheelhouse. Everyone knows I'm a huge Raptors fan. Love this team, especially right now. Although pretty brutal loss last night, but um, it will it'll, it'll be okay. Um, Siakam also had 35, 10, and seven last night and shot 12 of 16. Um, but yeah, just getting on this team, you know, they, they had had a eight game winning streak until last night when they lost to the Denver Nuggets. Again, I will say I watching that game, just a little side note, Jokic, I was skipping through the game and every time the Nuggets had the ball, I just got terrified. So I'd skip through their possession because I recorded it because Jokic just terrified me. Um, cause I would just see, Oh, great. Look, Oh, great. Look. And it wasn't even like the Raptors playing like the worst, worst defense. Um, but getting back to the Raptors, they've been 17 and eight in their last 25. Their defense has really been playing better. Their offense has really exceeded. And that's been hugely in part to um, Pascal Siakam, who's taken a huge leap up. Um, way better, in my opinion, this year than he was in, in 2020 when he made the all-star game and was an all NBA second team player. I think he's by far better than that this year. Um, and his defense has actually gotten much, much better as the years progressed um, and his projections uh, progressed. But yeah, this team basically um, is a no big. And, and I still think that's a huge problem for them. Um, I know Masai talked about in his press conference after the trade deadline that, you know, they really liked the idea of and very comfortable with all six, eight guys. And then Fred Van Vliet, who's maybe six foot on a, on a good day. But I think in the end, in the playoffs, especially now with teams, especially like Joel Embiid, you need a big. Um, mm. And and I think Miles Turner would have been perfect for them. But overall, um, my worry is they're really only playing seven, eight guys. Um, they added Thad Young, who I think will play a fair bit for them. He didn't play last night, but was available. Um, another like six, eight decent defender can't really shoot but can score a little bit so yeah they've you know they they just they just basically play siakam and fred as the one and two point guards um and they stagger their minutes which is really smart but i I believe van vliet is number one in uh minutes siakam's like three and gary trent or og's like four um i know scotty barnes is playing the most amount of minutes so that's my big worry is nick nurse is really just been playing all the starters 
Um, and I don't think that's realistic. I think in the playoffs, they might just be burnt out. Um, so I think hopefully they can play a little bit of their bench who's been 30th in the league, you know? Mm. So I, I think for this team, the, the biggest weakness is they have no bench. Um, but Chris Boucher's played much better and they don't really have a big, um, and I just think, you know, they're, they're really good at, on offensive glass. They, they're second in league in offensive rebounding, but they're like 26th in defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and this team, what they do, and it's a really smart thing. I, I want to know how you think about this, like, you know, tactically. But basically they say, we suck in the half court, okay? So the way we're going to get, we're, we're, we're going to score is we're going to crash the glass and we're going to get a lot of turnovers without, like, a lot of steals and not turn the ball over a lot. So they basically, what they do is they try to ha- out possession you. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's been really effective. And I, I think you have to give Nick nurse a lot of credit um, because it's resembled in, in their play and in their offense, they're about 12th and um, in, in both offense and defense this year, which is borderlining like a really good team. You know, mm-hmm. and and going seventeen and eight in a pretty hard schedule is is evidence of that. Um, and to end the year, I think they have the twenty fifth or twenty sixth, um, or or in a sense like the sixth or fifth or sixth easiest schedule. So, um, going forward, I, I really like the t- team. I just think they need to play more of a rotation, and I hope hopefully Thaddeus Young can bring all their guys' minutes down by like three, four minutes a game. I don't think that will fully happen. It'll probably be a little bit in between, but um, I think this team's a really good playoff team. And, um, you know, the East is really, is really stacked right now. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no real bad teams, but I think if they, what I'll end off with my kind of monologue is I think if they can play someone that isn't the bulls, uh, isn't the bucks, sixers, nets, or heat that who are, presumably fully strength i think they can win any other series yeah Um, that doesn't mean they will but i think they'll actually like it's like a good chance they could and then against those teams they can be really pesky and push them to five uh six seven games um um, depending on who each one but um yeah i just want to i just want to say i think siakam as great as fred van vliet has been and i think he was a worthy all-star um, this guy's literally averaging like 22, uh, nine and five on 50% from the field and 35 from three. Like that's just like all NBA numbers. And I think, I hope, cause he didn't make the all-star game. I, I hope he makes the all NBA. Cause I think if the Raptors stay as a top six team, mm-hmm. um, he's just been so good. Um, and I think really worthy of, uh, assuming he keeps it up to a certain extent, but his numbers have only been getting better. So they might look even better by the end of the season. Yeah. I think, I think Siakam's only thing that hampered his all-star campaign was that he started the season out really slow. Um, while Fred has kind of played at this level that he's currently playing at pretty much all season. Yeah. Um, like I think, I personally think looking at the two, the coaches, the forwards slots, basically, even though there are no real slots once it's the coaches picking the reserves. Um, I think there are just, there were just too many, fo- too many forwards already to add Siakam rather than Van Vliet as a backup. And, and also to be fair, like the Raptors basically made this push to being like a, you know, a clearly above <clears throat> 500 team after, 
the reserves were 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 chosen right so yeah so it was a little too late yeah and also siakam missed like the first i think it was like 10 15 games with the his shoulder surgery and it took him like basically um since the new year and and even a little bit before that but Mm -hmm. um the first month he was okay he wasn't bad but not nearly as good as he's been so far so it's been not kind of, not, not playing like a first option for sure i remember yeah like and in the past month or so and in a little bit more he's definitely played up to that so I, i'm not i'm not begrudging the coaches for not picking him Mm-mm. but i think you know in retrospect he he's more deserving of an all-star berth than jason tatum in my opinion or or someone else you know mm-hmm. and when you talk about this we, we won't go into it too much I'll, we can probably end here but you know, when we talk about all-star game or all NBA, it's like, who do you take out? Right. Yeah. It's it's... Just, Oh, he's worthy of it. Sure. He might be awesome, but who is he taking out? And for me, like him or, or Chris Middleton, he's clearly been a better player than, um, yeah, yeah. than this year. But uh, anyways, um, is there anything else you want to touch on the wraps or? No, I think you hit the nail right on the head with pretty much everything. I'm just a big Tom Thibodeau fan. So I'm, I'm just <laughs> worried that Nick nurse is, is Tom Thibodeauing his really talented young guys right now. I, you um, know, I will say watching all the like games throughout the year, um, the more like Svi Mikhailuk played, the the worse we, we looked. Of course. Um, and so like I think, you know, there is obviously a, a middle ground into it. But I also think it's a lot of like Malachi Flynn hasn't really been that good. Although I think, again, uh, Nick Nurse should play him a bit more. Yeah. Um, but the, it's not like the bench guys were playing great, you know, and he was playing them to start the year. And then as he realized, hey, if I just play five guys to the ground, we win, um, you know. Yeah, and Nick, winning Nick, to an extent. And Nick Nurse is definitely the kind of coach to like, like he's not making this decision totally unilaterally. Like I feel like a discussion was had with the players to the, to an extent and like an... Yeah, yeah, so like I know this was not just a, you know, like Nick Nurse has just gone off the wagon and has decided no. to kill his young players. But yeah. you know, it, it it does concern me that like like this is I'm seeing almost shades of Houston James Harden across the board here. Wherein like when I think back to like the Houston era of James Harden, he was outputting so damn much for no. 82 games straight that his collapse in the playoffs was almost inevitable. Because no. it's 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 to me it's it's unsustainable to ask someone to play a hundred games at a hundred percent. That's just like that's just ludicrous. That's not how human beings work. Um, so I think you know it was a bit of a risk from there. And so like I'm hoping that like you said, like with Thad Young coming in and some other and hopefully getting rid of Goran Dragic and I don't know like I mean, he wasn't playing, but yeah, no, no, I mean, uh, no, I think with Thad Young, it's again from the leadership and Bobby and Masai being like, Hey, like this team deserves another rotation player. Right. Yeah. Just to help alleviate, you know, as much as they're playing and it fits with, um, you know, who they are, which is basically we're six, eight long and we can guard you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, I, you know, we can talk, let's talk about Scotty on another part yeah. or another time, but um, I also think with regards to minutes, he's playing too much. Like he didn't like he's hit the rookie wall already in his rookie season because he barely played any games at in college because of COVID and also just college is less games. And now he's playing like 
35 minutes a game, which is just crazy. Right. And you can tell, cause like the first month or two of the season has been much better than the rest. Although I feel like he's, he's picking up stuff on defense a little bit more, but um, yeah, I think again, um, they need to stop playing them that much. Um, and, and hopefully they can soon, but uh, yeah, let, let's, yeah, part of me hopes they just don't even make it to the playoffs so these guys can rest, man. Like I, watch- uh, I don't because their their pick is actually it's lottery protected, so it doesn't. Yeah, matter. like I, I, I watch, I never watch Raptors games start to finish. I'll usually tune into the fourth quarter, and it's like watching dudes who are like just been rescued from like a war zone playing yeah. a game. Like it's like, like even and Nick Nurse both. looks tired, man. Hands like on the knees, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah. hands on knees, man. From the players to the coaching staff, like everybody's tired, and everybody's like credit to them, man. Everybody's busting their ass, but like. Human body is gonna give out eventually, you know. No, so I agree. I, I completely. Yeah, let's let's move on to the next thing. Game six now, and this is a big one. This is the only other really big surprise trade, other than you know who, which is the Kings Pacers trade, where the Kings sent Demontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb twice, Justin Holiday, and a protected 2023 second round pick to the and. The Pacers got Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson, and all the women that he has sex with. <laughs> so, buyout, buyout. Let's go back to LA, baby. Man, I, I love Tyrese Halliburton. He's probably like one of my favorite players. Um, and him and him and Matisse Thibel are probably my two favorite young guys in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just because I'm a slut for defense. So, and it's mind boggling to me. So like, obviously everybody has now seen the famous inter- or like the clip of uh, Tyrese Halliburton two ish weeks ago being like, you know, I know the culture in Sacramento is not great, but I'm not going to let the culture affect me. I'm going to change the culture. I'm mm-hmm. committed. I'm, I want to win hear all this like you know the type of stuff that like if you're a gm or and a coach and an owner and you see your player saying this like you jizz in your pants in sacramento right yeah and it's sacramento dude like jesus christ wouldn't want to play in sacramento <laughs> so the fact that tyrese Halliburton was so committed to this team even playing with the absolute bonehead that is buddy heel it's like you know i can't i cannot like they they seem to have cornered themselves into being long term committed to De'Aaron Fox, and I'm not one of the people who's super down on him. He was a 25 and seven player last year. He's been in a slump this year. I can see him getting back to form and being like a 20 and eight player rather than a 25 and seven player. Mm-hmm. But I still think he can be a very high level contributing point guard, like in the not an S tier or an A tier, but a high B and some nights he's even an A tier point guard, you know? Yeah. But like, why? Like the Sabonis and Halliburton are the two real pieces of this trade. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you give up Halliburton for a guy who is significantly more likely to leave at the end of his deal when you had Halliburton locked up for probably the next five, if not seven years. Yep. And a player who is still 20 years old and showing insane promise. And like, I just, yeah, like this, this deal blew my mind and broke my heart at the same time. I'm like, you know, 
like fuck Sacramento then on Tyrese Halliburton's half. Like if they want to, if they don't want to keep him fine, like better for him to be somewhere where he's wanted, I guess. But like, yeah. holy hell. <laughs> I will say, I will say Sacramento has won the last two games with the Sabonis and he's averaging like 19, 12 and six. I mean, it's two games, but um, I mean, I, I still, I just don't like the trade because it's a win now trade. Um, and even that's kind of arguable, but at the same time, it's just not a good use of value. Like if let's say, let's say, let's say the Pacers gave in a first round pick, Mm. I'd honestly feel way more different about the trade. Um, one, because the Pacers aren't that good. Um, so let's say even if it's next year, right, it's probably like a middling pick, like a lottery to, to, to decent pick. Right. Mm-hmm. That probably is the value between the difference between value between DeMontis Savonis and Halliburton, right? And then you throw in Buddy Heald, who you know has a kind of bad contract, but I think is worth more than Jeremy Lamb or Justin Holiday. I think you could probably get more back for you know any of those guys. Um, have you seen have you seen any Kings fans talk about Buddy Heald this season? No, he's been asked. I'm they not fucking, to... they fucking hate him, dude. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> but I think if you put him on a decent environment, he he's again like Davis Bertans, he won't forget to shoot. Like he, he's an elite shooter. He knows how to shoot. But yeah. Um, no, no, no. I agree. For me, it's like this guy's 20, as you mentioned, but he's averaging seven assists a game. And he's not even the primary ball handler, like De'Aaron Fox is most of the time, too, right? Mm-hmm. And you just don't see that a lot by a 20 year old who's literally off ball and he shoots 40% from three. Like how many guys that are 20 are like that? And, and I think that's for me, it's not necessarily that they traded Halliburton is for what. And I just think it was a horrible use of asset. Um, they t- I don't know how and why they did not see that Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton are like the two pieces of the steel, so Halliburton and then Heald and Thompson, those are two separate trades that you could have, like you're saying, they could have maximized yeah. the value out of out exactly. of all three of those guys. And and it's just um, like yeah, I I love it for the Pacers. I think it's perfect in a sense because you get Halliburton who was playing on a team with no real perimeter shooting, right? De'Aaron Fox can't shoot threes, although he's made a lot of threes since Sabonis has come back, which is kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll see how long that lasts because he had one good shooting, uh, uh, one one year of shooting well from three and otherwise absolutely none. Um, so, yeah. um, and Sabonis doesn't shoot threes. So, I mean, we'll talk about the Kings a little bit later with regards to the scheme, but for Halliburton, Healed, you get all the spacing. Duarte was has been a good pickup, although he's you know he's 24, so he's not young, but I think is an NBA rotation player and has a little bit of promise. So, you know, with Miles Turner, like everyone can kind of shoot now. Um, then you add on Buddy Healed, who's another shooter. Malcolm Brogdon can shoot. I think you know the Pacers are kind of like let's tank but not be that bad. Um, Pacers also Pacers also swapped Karis Levert for Ricky Rubio, so they I mean, clearly. Rubio's injured um, and won't be back. So it, it that was just a cap filler. Yeah. But again, they got a first round pick and uh, a top. I think they got Houston's second round pick this year, which is like second or third. So you basically get another first round pick. Um, so, yeah, I've really liked this for the Pacers. I wish they traded Miles Turner to the Raptors. I think that would have been perfect for us. Holy but, shit. They, they didn't just get a protected first round pick. They also got two second round picks in the same draft. Yeah, and and one's Houston, which is like kind of like what Toronto did. They got Detroit's 
second round pick this year from San Antonio. Yeah. Which, like right now would be the 31st pick, right? And there's 30 teams. So it's the first pick in the second round. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, we'll see how it works in uh, in Sacramento. Um, it's really worked so far against two mediocre teams. But, um, you know, my my worry too is basketball-wise, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a bonus likes to have the ball a lot. I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, he's a high usage big man. Mm-hmm. Same with De'Aaron Fox. Neither of them shoot threes essentially. Um, but it's worked out so far, right? And I think if there's a, you know, at the same time Dave, Davion Mitchell played really well in I think the first game without um Halliburton, so maybe that clears up a role for him a bit more than it was before with the three guards. Um so it it'll be interesting to see, but overall big win for for the for the Pacers and I'm a bit skeptical how it works for the Kings but so far it has and if it opens up De'Aaron Fox to to kind of reach his promise for whatever reason then good on them because I think Sabonis is a really good player I'm not anti Sabonis I really like him I just think value-wise as I said um yeah is there anything else you wanted to touch on this or um I think I think the Pacers are positioning themselves well for the next couple of years. I think they've got a combination of young developing guys. I don't want the Pacers to trade Miles Turner. Miles Turner seems like he's been in trade talks since the mid to late 80s. Um, so like, you know, I feel like at a certain point, the Pacers, unless like there is no deal that I can envision for the Pacers that is both realistic and plus trade for them in terms of getting rid of Miles Turner. Yeah. They've they've put so, too many solid players around him now. Mm-hmm. To... And that's what they did. Like they mm-hmm. could have if they wanted taken like a Raptors trade, which I would have loved. Yeah. But I'm, I mean they decided to to keep on to him and it makes sense. Like it didn't make sense to have both of them starting for them and and now it clears it up and yeah. I just think for them like why is he going to stay? Like and do you really want to pay Miles Turner more than 18 million? Because I think that's what he wants. I, I think he's mm-hmm. making about 16, 18 million. The problem is though, is just like this is this is always the problem with with big men in the NBA. The the chasm between a serviceable big man and then a dude who you're just barely willing to have on the court is massive. And really, I I'd say it the opposite in a sense, but you I just feel like and I just feel like in the league there's there's very few like if, if we look at it like almost like economic classes, you know, you have your high class or you're like your upper class of big men. And then you have your lower class of big men. And there's a very few in the middle class for, um, for me, it's like, you have guys like, you know, who's a big man anymore, but like you have AD um, towns, uh, Jokic Embiid, uh, of course, mm-hmm. but then everyone else that isn't that like miles Turner, right. Like, how much better is Miles Turner than Rashawn Holmes? Like a, I, a lot, a like, lot. Because I don't, yeah. I don't think, I don't think the gap in pay is as big as the gap in play. But, um, but you're no, you see, you're absolutely right there. You're a hundred percent on that. But therein lies the problem. Miles Turner is a pretty damn competent big man, though. Oh is, yeah, is, yeah, is the issue is that, and Rashawn Holmes is just competent enough. Miles Turner is a plus in terms of his like IQ and play and game sense. Um, yeah. So I feel like in like to me personally, 
he his stats don't jump off the page or anything, but he's I would put him at the bottom end of solid big men. Yeah, um, no, no, but it's kind of like like my kind of argument, and we don't need to go in this too too much, but the way I see it is like you know the difference between Miles Turner and like Rashawn Holmes or Kem Birch or whoever, like mm-hmm. who's like a you know an okay um big man is not nearly as big as the gulf between um uh, miles turner and carl towns or Jokic or Embiid or ad and that's kind of why you know and you're paying your backup big like six million and miles turner 18 million and then if you sign it like let's say you sign miles turner to 25 million is he worth that like and i don't think so i think I'd rather have Rashawn Holmes for six million. He's actually making more than that because the Kings are the Kings. Mm-hmm. But you get what I mean in the sense that I find it's like it's great to have Miles Turner, but I only want him for that sixty million dollars and nothing much more mm-hmm. because I don't really see him getting that much better of a player. Like he he doesn't have great touch. He can shoot the three well enough, but not like elite elite. So. Um, for me, just to get on the point of the Pacers is he's a free agent after next year. How much are you going to pay him? And I'd get assets for him if you can, which they definitely could if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you sign him, don't try to sign him for that much more. Maybe $20 million, maybe like a Jared Allen kind of deal. But Jared Allen's better than him, right? Yeah, I think like, like like I would put like like Jared Allen and Vucevic above him. In terms of like the big, big man, interesting. Well, because the, the again, thing is, is mm-hmm. no, I was gonna say again, Vucevic, perfect example. Like he's way overpaid. I like Vucevic; he's all right, but but th- therein lies the problem: is that when you have a big man who's as serviceable as Vucevic, you have to overpay because yeah. the alternative is like, uh, no disrespect to him, I think he's one of my favorite players. But Stephen Adams, you know what I mean? Stephen Adams is a good player. But Stephen Adams is just serviceable. You're never no, like, but you're but never going to get the him. Gap in the pay isn't that much between them, or as much as like, like it, it. You'd think. I mean, it's um, eight, it's 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 seven million dollars between yeah. Stephen Adams and which Luke. I think is worth. But I I think for me it's more like, <laughs> like I'd rather have a better bang for my buck, and I'd rather just get like a cheap. Tristan Thompson or like that kind of Rashawn Holmes, but before he got the contract for like five, six million, then mm. pay Miles Turner. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's in- inevitably like the, the conversation. And, and that's, and that's why if I'm the Pacers, I trade him now because you get more assets and, and, and go from there. But um, I like, we talked about Jalen Smith again, that could be your, you know, future replacement or, and you play more and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, anything else you wanted to discuss? Cause uh no, I think that's pretty much it. Tyrese Halliburton, I love you. I want you to succeed, and I'm glad you're out of what is the equivalent of the NBA's ninth circle of Dante's hell. <laughs> Inferno, as, baby. As if it's not bad enough being from Sacramento. This is your yeah. team. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Um, so let's just talk about the the trade. The the one I don't even think there is much to say to be honest, but like no, I think there is actually, but I think all like because this is so such a big fucking deal that like I kind of want to see these people play first before like like I have assumptions based on what's gonna happen. I can already envision some new plays being thrown into each team's playbook, but let let's 
let, let's, let's just it. let's just say it. So yeah, game seven, hardened is a sixer, Simmons is uh, a net, and so the Sixers got Harden, Millsap, and then the Nets got Simmons, uh, Curry, Drummond, and then they got two first round picks as well. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, let's just start by saying who do you think won this trade, and then I think that will dictate how we talk about this. So you go first. Who do you think won this trade? It's such a hard thing because the two things that you don't know is what is James Harden? Like how much of this last stretch where he had what two points in Sacramento and he's been kind of out of shape the whole year to be fair, but what James Harden are you getting? Cause James Harden before he got hurt last year, I'd say Sixers won in a landslide. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the direction he was even before kind of rumors started percolating about him leaving. And then Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball in a year. And the last time you saw it, he was scared shitless about taking a dunk. Um, so it's really hard to evaluate. I think I like it more for the nets um, because I think what they got from a disgruntled star really works with the team. But then again, another thing we don't know is Kyrie. Um, so it's it's such a hard trade to evaluate. I think oh, it's so hard. I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Nets slightly because I think Ben Simmons, if Kyrie is healthy and on on the circular Earth, um, then I think he really really works well with that team and might even be more of actually like a overall net benefit to that team than James Harden as weird as it sounds because he's top two three defender in the league and he doesn't need to score and he can just be that ultimate assist players to set up um, uh, KD and Kyrie um, in the half court but also in the transition right and then he can attack the glass then you get uh, Seth Curry, who's an awesome shooter, who's better than Joe Harris, who sucked in the playoffs and has been out all year. Mm. And then you get Andre Drummond, and they haven't really had a big all year that's been consistent for them. And you get another one. I mean, I'm not the biggest Andre Drummond, and I went to a Detroit game back in the day, and he, he just was bricking every shot. But overall, I, I like it just a bit more. And then you get two first-round picks that you can use in the offseason to get another player um, it might not be at a star because you've traded all your other picks, but you can use that as more capital to, to get another player. So I, I like it a bit more because James Harden hasn't been James Harden and he's only getting older. Yeah. Um, personally, I think the Nets won this trade. Oh, okay. or not the Nets. Sorry, not the Nets. The, the Sixers. Sixers. The Sixers won because they managed to turn like – the fact that they had a non-playing asset and were still able to trade him. Like, do you remember? I think it was Zach Lowe who said it. He tweeted out. He was like, you know, throughout the whole season for the last like four months, you had a lot of people like finger wagging at Daryl Morey. Yep. Telling him to just take whatever he can get. Mm-hmm. And at times people were saying like, remember, like I remember there's a deal that was Simmons for healed. Yep. Or in Halliburton, I think, or something. But yeah. Yeah, like I'm sure they would have thrown in Halliburton or someone else in that trade. Um, but like that was the conversation. So the fact that Daryl Morey was still able to to finagle this situation out where he gets Harden for for Ben, I think like they won this trade a hundred percent. 
I, I completely understand that rationale. And I, I do agree that a big winner in a sense might not be the Sixers, but it's definitely Daryl Morey. Especially, especially because in the days leading up to the final transaction being like released, there was tons of talk about either throwing Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibel into the trade. Rather, like it would have been, I think instead of Drummond, it would have been like Curry, Thibel, and Simmons, or Curry, Maxey, and Simmons. Yeah. Um, and that would have been to me that would have changed everything. If they had to give up one of those two super young developing guards, that would have been a much bigger give to get Harden, which I think puts a lot more pressure for Harden to have to like really kick ass when he comes in because man, Matisse Thibel last night had six steals and this is his third game this season with five plus steals. Elite, elite on ball defender. Like yeah, up there with Ben Simmons, actually. Exactly. Um, So I'm, I'm so glad that they kept him. Um, and you know i think i think the sixers have already sh- like to me the sixers were significantly more afloat with their oh. bullshit asset of simmons rather than the nets with their bullshit asset of kyrie um and yeah. obviously kd's hurt but do you remember earlier in the season when kd was playing nearly 40 minutes to keep this team alive yep yep and that was with james harden though yeah and and that and that's why it's such an interest. Like, there's so many, like, you can even talk about James Harden and Ben Simmons and their lack of play um, and just, like, skeptical of, like, who is, like, what are they actually when they come back? But then you have Kyrie Irving, too, right? So I, I definitely, I think everything you said is such a valid point. I think just for me, I just don't trust that James, like, he just doesn't look in shape. And I don't think he can get in that great shape by the time the playoffs happen. And I think schematically it makes a lot of sense for the Nets. Um, uh, just the way this, like, I think Simmons, this is a perfect, perfect fit for Ben Simmons. I agree. Uh, he's, he's surrounded and, by shooters. And Seth Curry, again, you know, they got a bunch. I think what you said about the Tyrese Maxi and the Matisse Tybal is such a, like, I mean, I think, you know, I know there was rumors that, um, like basically Tybal, you know, I think Nets were putting out like if there's no Tybal, there's no deal. And then they kind yeah. of replaced, like they had to make the trade eventually, you know, like he's good, but he's not worth not getting this package back mm-hmm. if um, Harden's going to leave. So I, I completely agree with what you said. I think the fact, especially Tybal, I don't think they would have traded Maxi either way. No. But because he's been so good. And he's their lead guard. Like, who yeah, is- yeah, no, no. And, but, but I think keeping Tybal is huge because they lost Seth Curry, who's been so good for them. Um, Mm. Although in the playoffs did get torched by uh, red velvet. So um, it it will be interesting to see. I, I I just want these two teams to play in the playoffs. March 10th, baby. That's their first. I I know. I, I mean, I doubt Ben Simmons will play because just knowing what Ben's been like Um, uh, as as a person with his own mental health struggles, Ben Simmons has set back the entire conversation about mental health by about 10 years. I mean, I wouldn't put it as strong, that strongly, but I, I kind of agree. It's a bit shady to me, but um, it sounded like he was kind of crying on the phone to KD or something. Like, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I saw that I, report about it. he was emotional I, on the phone. I, I find I find the idea that basketball life can be so intertwined with your personal life. Um, it does sound as though he's had like a, a crazy family dynamic. I don't really know. 
um, recently. So I, I'll give him the benefit of the, he's clearly going through something, but I think basketball wise, it was a bit of a cop out. Um, yeah. Damian Lillard has my favorite quote about this, which is that, you know, people ask about like pressure because he obviously like Dame time, clutch yeah. shots, all this nonsense. And someone asked him about like, how do, how do you deal with the pressure? And Dame said it very well. He said, there is no pressure. I play basketball for a living. Mm-hmm. Real pressure is, you know, the single mom struggling to put food on, on the table for her family. That's yeah. real pressure. This is just, this is just a game. So I, uh, to me personally, obviously, I've never played at such a high stake situation as Ben Simmons has and on such a public platform. And there's pressure um, about being in the public, for sure. Of course. And, you know, young socialite Ben Simmons, um, couple that with like Philly, especially like Philly is up there with New York as like the most harsh fan base you could play for. Probably harsher than New York. Um, Arguably, yeah, because Philly just is like Philly fans are just like genuinely unstable human beings and i to all philly fans i'm saying that directly to you y'all are voting for joe biden though thank you Um, y'all are unhinged animals and i respect your absolute animosity towards basketball it's truly something to aspire towards um so yeah like i'm i'm eager to see this i think james harden does well with a really competent big man i remember the james harden clint capella combination was top notch so leveling up from clint capella to to Joel Embiid is, I'd say, a pretty pretty big jump. Um, yeah, I think I think Philly also has a pretty balanced scoring attack this season, given the fact obviously everything runs through Embiid. The dude is having, you know, an absolutely like you know you don't average thirty five a game, and people say oh balanced scoring attack, but you know you still need to make up about another seventy five points across the board. Yeah, and um, and like yeah, no, I so mean like. Adding Harden to that wrinkle, like here's here's my issue and why I think the Sixers won this trade relative to the Nets. The Sixers were able to do all this with a like a zero contribution player in Simmons. Yeah. The Nets never they only had 13 games with all three dudes, KD, Kyrie, and Harden all playing, and or they had 16 games and they were 13 and three. Yeah. They were 13 and three in that stretch. So, but I think the Sixers kept the boat significantly more afloat relative to the Nets. And they, and they added Harden to that mix. Whereas Simmons is coming into an already pretty dysfunctional situation. Like, I, I think, I think for me, it's more you have to win this year because I think this is your best opportunity. Because I and they're gonna, it sounds as though they're gonna sign him to some crazy deal that will be like the Russell Westbrook John Wall deal on steroids. Yeah, type um, because I don't think Harden's gonna age well, clearly doesn't seem to be. Um, so I, I that's that's my worry is that it's it's really a one hit wonder. Um, but I mean, I think it's also because you, you know, it, it's kind of like a um. Like it could go either way because in, in terms of like your rationale, because Harden's going to leave. So this is what you got for Harden, who was going to leave for nothing. And it's much more than I think it's a perfect fit for trading James Harden. Right. Mm. Essentially, like you got great guys back. But at the same time, if you're the Sixers, it's like it's awesome. We got something, you know, you know, James Harden even being bad has been better than Curry or Drummond together combined. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
is he really going to push you to win the championship this year um, by losing Seth Curry, who's good? And then, you know, so I, I, th- I think overall, um, I think it's I get what you mean that the Sixers won. I just think considering it's for me, it's like both teams won. Um, to an extent, and, yeah, they both needed to get rid of their yeah, disgruntled stars. Right? And so sure. considering, like, I think both teams can go back and say we we did the best out of a horrible situation, really. And But I just think Ben Simmons on this team, I think, actually is better um, if he's all right. It actually makes him a better team with the way Harden's been playing than Harden will affect that Sixers team that just lost, like, two rotation players. So, um I think it's because I, I actually kind of think Ben Simmons, if he's like even the Ben Simmons from last year is almost worth just as much to that team um, because he's such a good defender. Um, I and think he's a good passer. So I, yeah, I, I mean, an, I don't disagree. I think my one problem is that doc rivers may have stunted my perception of Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons was used so poorly in doc rivers offense that I just like, I'm honestly not totally sold on Ben Simmons. He's a good, he's a good defender for sure. Um, and I think he's definitely not too like abysmal as a like he's a solid enough playmaker as a point guard. Obviously, you can't be bad as a six eight point guard. But I just think he his his inability to shoot like. A po- your point guard has to make free throws yeah. because the offense in the last two minutes of the game is going to be half court. So if that's the case, Ben Simmons cannot touch the ball for more than an alley-oop dunk or else if I'm the other team's coach, bro, hack him. I don't give a yeah. shit how ugly it is. Hack him. Put him on the line. Make him earn it. The dude the, and like his public, like I got to say, obviously mental health conversations are important, but like if I'm an asshole and I'm trying to win, it's like, hey, man, I don't trust that he's going to be able to handle this pressure. Foul the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make him earn it. Make him psych himself out. Fuck him up. And I think it's just so ridiculous that, like, like again, I, to me, Ben Simmons has a lot more to prove than James Harden. James Harden joining this Sixers team, all he needs to do, in my opinion, for it to be a success is score enough to to make defenses really struggle to double team Joel. Mm-hmm. I think I think if if Doc Rivers is smart, he doesn't put too much of an offensive load on Harden from the get go, and he lets the game really come to Harden in the in the next couple of months, going yep. into the playoffs, and the, like because your minutes and everything. Yeah, and and really just let let this be an ability to really unlock Joel to the maximum ability that he has because don't forget Joel Embiid had to really diversify his his offensive portfolio because yeah. Ben Simmons did not no I, I and, and so they clashed they'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see and let's hope to God that they, they play in the playoffs and um I'm really excited for the schemes that would happen if, if that were to be the case you know Philly uh, is the fifth seed right now I'm I'm here here's gonna be my stupid ass take Philly, Philly is going to be the two seed by the time the playoffs roll around. Mm-hmm. That's that's my that's my way too early prediction based on a trade where we've seen uh, zero of the players involved actually even touch the floor yet. 
Well, they're ahead of Milwaukee. Oh no, they're behind Milwaukee by half a game. They play. Uh, yeah, I I'm saying they, Philly I makes it to second. I think they're chasing Milwaukee. I think they could go ahead of the Bulls, like as we as we talked about before the show. Zach Levine's seen a specialist, um, so he's out for a little bit. And then the Cavs, I really like. Like I'm, I love them. I think they're a really good team, but I think missing Rubio, missing Sexton. I like Levert, but not that much. I wouldn't have actually gotten gone for him, um, but I get their thinking. I just think as other teams get better, you know, with the Nets, presumably who knows when, um, but the Sixers, the Bucks have been playing well, the Heat. Um, I just think they're going to slide a little bit. So I think they're really chasing the Bucks and the Heat and they're half a game behind the Bucks and two and a half behind the Heat. Um, I think that those are the two teams they're chasing. So I think it's a decent bet. Um, I, I don't think it's crazy stupid or anything like I that. Just, I mean, it, it would also would be crazy is if they played the Nets in the play-in. Or like as the seventh seed when they're the second seed in the first round, which like is that. what I'm, which is what I'm secretly hoping for. Yeah. Um, and so, I just, you know, Charles Barkley said it: half a man, Kyrie Irving is half man, half a season. Yep. And you know what? Like it pisses me off. Like, look, I think James Harden has way too individualistic of a mindset when it comes to basketball. Um. He's he seems very MVP centric and not necessarily. Obviously, he wants to win a title. That's a stupid thing to think. That like I've never understood when people are like, "Oh, this player isn't concerned with winning titles." The only player I get that vibe from is like Bradley Beal, um, Maybe. in terms of like big name players. Like Bradley Beal is the only player who I feel like does not give a shit about winning a championship and is just content to cash checks. Yeah. Um, which again, no disrespect to that, but like James Harden, James Harden has always had a very contentious relationship with media. Um, and so I feel like the media just likes to pile on to him when he gets frustrated and because he doesn't like them. So they have no reason to give him the benefit of the doubt or to side with him in a, in like a controversial issue. Granted, it is kind of a shit thing to force your way out of two teams in two seasons, especially when the second team, like him forcing his way out of Houston was not very classy, but I totally get it. Like, the team was entering rebuild mode and he needed to leave ASAP. He didn't want to just waste an entire year of his, yeah. like when you're on that side of 30, you don't have years to give away. Um, but it seems ridiculous to me that he moved to Brooklyn. And then like, I don't know, it seemed like relatively like too quick of a decision he made. I think he should have thought it through a little bit more when it came to where he wanted to go next after Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because I, like fuck Kyrie, dude. Like fuck him. This is all his fault. Harden, in my opinion, has n- little to no blame in this situation. To, in terms of like the media narrative seems to be spinning it that like oh, Harden is being a big baby by forcing his way out of Brooklyn and going to Philly, and like nobody is talking. At least not enough people, in my opinion, are really giving Kyrie enough shit for being a poor professional and not like. People wanted James Harden to try and win a championship in, for the first time with in a situation that no other player in NBA history has ever had to deal with, where your lead guard is a part-time player. That's never happened. The only part-time players ever, and it never actually came to be a problem, were either Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders. Yeah. And both of them played sports where the 
the alternative it was two different seasons they just never had an off season those guys mm-hmm. um it never conflicted and when it did they worked it out contractually yeah. Kyrie Irving is just being a bitch and dude did he had a quote last night I think it was uh, yeah, no, after- he, was, he was I mean it's like the truckers and we want to talk about it but it's like you know I want to play was it that one you're talking about? Where it's yeah, like, yeah, like nobody else in New York has to deal with this. It's like, bro, every Toronto, Golden State, and New York player has to deal with this. You're not the only New York team, you moron. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's a stupid rule in a sense because for some reason, away unvaccinated players can play. Yeah, but if you're based in New York, you can't play in New York, um, which doesn't make any sense. And that's yeah, we that's a whole another thing. But again, he also said something like. You know, I want to play, you know, they just need to let me play. It's like, well, like, I just want to have the freedom or the choice. Like, I want to play kind of thing. And like, it's like, well, if, if you really want to play, just get the jab, you know, like it's, it's. Yeah. Know, and of course, like if they will, let you play and it's like, well. And know, he always you, defers whenever people yeah. say that. He's like, it's, it's bigger than that. It's like, is it though? No, I don't want to get into this because not <laughs> because I think it's not important. I'm literally like. Yeah. A text from someone that's like supporting this anti-truckers and understands it and all that. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think um, with him, he's just an enigma and I don't think he's good for your team. Like, I, you know, he's played so few games um, since he's become a net and he's quit on his team before the vaccine. He just left. He's like, you know, and it's like, well, great, but you could give us a heads up um, and, you know, Look at that. They've lost 11 straight. He's played a lot of those games. Like he doesn't influence winning in my opinion. Um, He's, he's like, he, he puts you over the top maybe, but he's not going to let you, he's not going to be the reason why you're winning. You need KD to, to really influence winning. So uh, yeah, I found the exact quote. I still wish I could be out there at home. And some people say it's as simple as, Hey, go get this, go get the shot. No, it's not as simple as that for me in my life, but ultimately still praying for a better outcome. Bro, don't pray. Just, just go do it. Like, holy fuck, you, uh, it's unfucking believable. And like, at when when are we gonna hold Kyrie properly accountable for how many teams he has blown up? Like the Celtics, and then he did that stupid thing where when they played the Celtics and he like stomped on the logo. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Why? Why do you hate the Celtics? What did the Celtics ever do to you, dude? You wanted to be the man. They wanted to make you the man. You're incapable of being the man. We, what a great experiment. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for this science lesson. Yeah. So like, yeah, I just, anyways, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's wrap it up. Let's but, wrap it up. That's, I, that's that. I, I love this discussion, man. This was great. Yeah. And it's going to be really exciting. I think the playoffs are going to be awesome this year. I love the play in. Um, just look at it like a team like Sacramento never would have made that deal um, if it wasn't for the play-in. So, you know, absolutely gives us a lot of interest and, you know, makes a lot of people in Sacramento cry, but that's okay. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. it's all about being with it, you know, being one with your emotions. So um, praying, praying for you Sacramento fans, but it's been a good two games to start. So hopefully that can continue for you guys. And then, uh, you know, let's just pray that, uh, the Sixers and Nets play, and I am so excited if that happens for Dude. all the games Ben Simmons plays in Philadelphia. Like, Same. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm curious. So Tuesday uh, is Harden's first game, 
like like so far reported is that that's the soonest that he can play if he's obviously ready to go um uh that's what they're hope i think that's what uh doc said is that they're hoping for tuesday against the celtics is when that'll be his first game yeah um I don't know what the deal is with Ben Simmons. I haven't heard anything at all that has to do with his return timeline. No. no. Um, so I love I love Charles Barkley during the All-Star draft <laughs> when LeBron drafted James Harden. Was oh, like, that was uh, the greatest. NBA, uh, it, it, NBA is so good at that, man. He's like, is he healthy? Is he, is he going to be able to play? Oh, yeah, man. He's rubbing some icy hot on that. He'll be good to go. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much, uh, dear listeners. And um, we'll, we'll be back next week and hopefully uh, there'll be a lot of, maybe, maybe we'll see Ben Simmons on the court. Maybe maybe maybe. we will see Kyrie Irving get the vex. Oh wait, no, that's not happening. Um, Uh, So so we'll we'll see how it all plays out and hopefully the Raptors keep going my team and uh, we'll, we'll see you again. Take care guys.